You're listening to In Defense with Dr. R.G. Willard, a Christian apologetics podcast equipping you to give a defense for the hope that is in you and to speak truth in Jesus' name. On today's episode, Dr. Willard will explain premise one of the Kalam cosmological argument, everything that exists as a cause of its existence. You are listening to In Defense with me, Dr. R.G. Willard, a Christian apologetic podcast bringing you an appeal and defense of the Christian faith. We are on episode three or part three of the series of my favorite argument for God's existence called the Kalam cosmological argument. Before I dive into what we're going to be discussing for today, I just want to do a quick recap on the last two episodes that we took a look at. On episode one of the series, we took a look at the a quickly a history of this sort of philosophical and theological understanding of what is now known as the Kalam cosmological argument, all the way from John Philoponus to the modern day defender, William Lane Craig. In the second episode, we took a brief pause from the argument to take a look at what makes a good argument. We saw that the Kalam is going to use both deductive and inductive type arguments And we also sought to see what makes a good argument and found that an argument needs to be both valid as well as sound. If you want more information on any of that, go back and listen to the first two episodes in the series. So today we're going to be discussing premise one of the Kalam cosmological argument. Before I dive in, let me restate the argument for you and then I will dive into premise one. Here's how the argument goes. Everything that begins to exist has a cause of its existence. The universe began to exist in the conclusion. Therefore, the universe has a cause of its existence. And today we are going to be discussing premise one that everything begins to exist has a cause of its existence. Now, typically, I'm going to be honest with you. I often sort of skip over this premise because I I have restraints on time that I have when I speak to people and I I talk on podcasts, but I don't want to do that today. Typically, I find this premise that everything that begins to exist has a cause of its existence is so like intuitively true. It's hard for me to deny. Actually, let me read you from some scholars about this. Dr. Robert Coons writes, the first premise has a great deal of intuitive appeal. Dr. Loke writes, for a long time in history of human thought, the causal principle that everything that begins to exist has a cause has been widely accepted. And Dr. Thomas Reed states that neither existence can begin without an efficient cause is a principle that appears so very early in the mind of man that it is so universal and so firmly rooted in human nature that the most derived skepticism cannot eradicate it. Though I agree with all of these scholars here, and I also agree that there is just intuitive appeal that this premise is right, but there are still some that do not have this appeal. Some do not think this premise is necessarily true. Let me just give you one example. Dr. Graham Oppie, a very brilliant and smart man, finds it possible to maybe hold that everything within the universe follows this first premise, this causal principle, but not necessarily the universe itself. Maybe the universe is a kind of thing that doesn't have to play by the rules that are of and in the universe. So for today's episode, I want to motivate us to think that the premise one that everything that begins to exist has a cause of its existence 
is true. I want to offer up two main reasons why this is true. And we are going to look at to think it is possible or reasonable to think that something can come from nothing. Or should we be more motivated to think that this cannot be the case? And then if something comes into existence, it has a cause of its existence. So this is what I want to do in today's episode. So I want to furnish you with two main reasons on why I believe and we should hold the first premise is true. Now, disclaimer here, there's a whole ton of literature on this topic, and this is briefly touching on some of the literature for you guys. So if you want more references, feel free to contact me and I will give you that contact information at the end of this episode. So here's reason one why I believe we should be motivated to think premise one of this argument is true. And the first is this empirical evidence, empirical evidence. And it states this: we have almost universal empirical evidence that this causal principle is true. Science has more or less proven this to be true. Now, there are a few common responses to this. One of them are uh, maybe there are these very, very low levels that we know as quantum levels where this is proven to be false. It seems that things sort of pop into existence out of nothing from these equal energy vacuums at the lowest, lowest, lowest levels of reality. Now, I think we need to understand the idea of nothingness or nothing a little better. When philosophers talk about nothing, we're not talking about some spirit like gas or vacuum or energy field. That's technically something. When we speak of nothing, we literally mean no thing, nothing. There is an absence of anything there. And these fields and these vacuums are then not something coming from nothing. It is still something coming from something. But on top of that, it seems weird to me, at least I think it seems weird to me, that we are looking for some principle or law, even at this lowest level of reality, to provide some justification for this idea of something coming from nothing. Look what Dr. Boosie writes about this idea. He states, how can we even truly talk about the physics of nothing? We can never have a physics of non-being. This is prior to physics, since physics describes physical thing. How then can we have a physical law to overturn or describe in law nothingness? He continues, the first issue here is that the laws of nature, as normally used, are laws of nature. They act on what is there, and nothingness does not exist to even be acted upon. Dr. Mark Nowaki agrees when he argues that science can't even give a reasonable or any probability that something can, will, or may begin without any causal antecedent. For probability requires what is called a, a positive state description in order to be rendered meaningful. So we're not talking about physics here. We're talking about an area that is known as metaphysics, the study of what cannot be reached through objective looking at the material reality. How then is it possible to have a law to describe nothingness? Now, some have responded to the empirical argument that our experience has never given us insight about objects that come into existence at the first moment of time. Just 
uh, objects in the universe in moments of time. Now, Dr. Craig has a very clever response to this, and he wants us to think of an explosion that happens tomorrow. And he goes, wait a minute, we, if the explosion happens tomorrow, we have warrant to ask the conclusion, what caused this explosion? Now, he says, picture that explosion a thousand years from now and 10,000 years from now, or even uh, uh, 10 million years from now. It seems then that why, to ask the question, why wouldn't we have warrant to ask the question, what caused the Big Bang 14 billion years ago or whatever preceded it? What is so special about nothing that gives us reason to think that we wouldn't have warrant to ask why this quote unquote big bang of the universe happened? Nothingness doesn't seem to have any special features. It is just that nothing. So reason one points to the fact that all of our empirical data seem to point to the, the, the premise one is in fact reasonable and we should expect it to be true. Reason number two, why I think we should be motivated to accept premise one is that there's going to be weird costs in reality. If we're going to deny it, some weird costs, we would have to accept of reality. If we do not think premise one as a causal principle is true. Let me give you two of them. The first is this things could pop into existence all around us. And what makes this even worse without us ever knowing that they do. Look what Dr. Robert Coons writes about this. There are severe epistemological costs or our costs in our ability to know to countencing the idea of uncaused origins. For instance, the skeptical scenario popularized by Bertrand Russell. How do we even know that the universe didn't simply appear five minutes ago with the appearance of age? This would be a live possibility in the absence of any a priori causal principle that we find in this premise one. Or we can ask this question. Are your parents <laughs> really your parents? Or did you pop into existence simultaneously with the illusion of past history and memories of them truly being your parents? Now you might say your friends might tell you that this is not true, but the same question applies to all your friendship. The amount of skepticism that would be a live possibility would be terrifying if we were not to accept premise one. The second argument in this, and Dr. Craig wonders, why do we not find things popping into existence out of nothing all around us? Now, some of you may like this option out. For those who don't know me, I love sneakers. I'm a big sneaker head. I like reselling sneakers and uh, diving into what's, what's coming out in the future. And I would love this argument where if my wife saw a new pair of sneakers on the counter and she would go, Ryan, where did you get these sneakers from? And if I could actually offer the uh, answer, I mean, they came into existence out of nothing. That would be a fantastic way out. But she would also roll her eyes at me and then ask me the same question in a more angry sort of tone, right? But think about this. This is true. Why do not, why we don't see things pop into existence out of nothing all around us? Why not think as we're driving a horse would just pop into existence out of nothing in our car and cause disastrous car accidents? Why not be terrified when we sleep that a bomb would just appear in our house and destroy us when we're sleeping? If things could pop into existence out of nothing all around us, why do we not see that happening? 
Now you might say we don't, but that brings me to the first argument. The amount of skepticism we would have in our lives would be terrifying. So as we saw, the first premise of the clam, that everything that begins to exist has a cause of existence, has great reasons to accept as true or even more possibly and plausibly true than not. The empirical evidence points this to be the case, as well as we would have to accept strange and weird and absurd costs of reality to deny premise one. If this is the case, it seems we have reasons and we are rational to think that premise one is in fact true and even more possibly true than not. Given this being the case, we're next episode, we're going to move on to premise two, that the universe began to exist. And we're going to take a look at two sort of categories, the philosophical arguments and the scientific arguments to try to get us to believe and motivate us to accept premise two, the universe began to exist is true. So if you have any questions or you have any comments or you want to reach out to us, please, I want to hear from you. We all want to hear from you. We want to start topics of answering your questions and hear different categories you would like us to talk about on this podcast. Or even if you want to bless us and come alongside and and be a sponsor of this podcast, reach out to me at ryan at ryanwillert.org. That's W-I-L-L-E-R-T, ryan at ryanwillert.org. Or go visit the riverradio.com at the podcast page. We will see you guys next time with the Kalam Cosmological Argument. This podcast is a production of River Radio Ministries. You can find more podcasts like this one at riverradio.com. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening now. And be sure to tell a friend so they can listen too.